Let's Get Haunted with your host, Matt Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 70 fucking three now to you guys this might just seem like another week but for right. us a month has gone by oh, a and month holy shit has the world changed in that time so many things have happened that we were t- texting each other before we came in and we were like how long is this intro going to be so first things first if you are not here to learn about us to hear anything about our personal lives and you're just here because of the title of the podcast skip to about 15 minutes i would say yeah skip to 20 minutes in skip to 20 yeah and if you were wrong just go back it's not the end of the world you have time (laughs) yeah like what what's all happened well let's let's start let's start by like what the the shorties maybe yeah let's do let's do the shorties so if you guys didn't know we several months ago entered the shorty awards and we ended up winning yeah now you might think oh that's really cool they won an award but it's really not all it's cracked up to be okay wait wait a second we have to this you guys this is so was so important to Alyssa to it was win this very award. important to me you can't understand how important this was to her she came to I me in a so text bad. message <laughs> at like an ungodly hour one night and was like hey I entered or I want to enter us into these podcast awards the shorties or something and then she was saying that it costs like how much did it cost to enter it <sighs> okay it costs I want to say like $450 per category which yeah. already red flag scam yeah right? as soon as I heard that I was just like it can't be that cool it sounds fake they're canceled we're not entering this but Alyssa's like I really want the <laughs> I trophy. really wanted it yeah because it's like a glass trophy with like a whale's tail or something and they're, they're like cool like the I went to the website because I didn't know what the fuck it was. And I saw like one of the Jonas Brothers was holding one. Right. It just looked. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Miley Cyrus. (laughs) We always go back to Taylor Swift. Well, yeah. So you're like a fucking big deal if you win one of these, I guess. But when I found out it cost money to do it, I was like, we're not fucking do it. Alyssa was like, I'm going to do it anyways. (laughs) And like went and funded money from the Let's Get Haunted family. And someone actually donated to us all of the money that we needed to get into this competition that may or may not have been fake correct yes and thank you for that that's amazing incredible amber O, I believe it was who donated all that and if you're confused and you've been with us for a while you know that we also entered the webby awards which was even more expensive than the shorty awards real quick let's get that out of the way we did not win the webby awards what The, the person who won the webby awards uh, actually, I'm not even sure if they've announced it yet, but we didn't even get a nomination. So we paid to enter. That's the way these contests work. You pay to enter, and then they have a panel of judges that will go through you know, the hundreds or thousands of entries, and then they choose like five to ten to be in the finalist category. So we didn't even get chosen as a nominee or a finalist for the Webbies. And the only podcast I saw on there that was not run by a major corporation was This Is Why We Drink, which I've never listened to before, but I know it's popular. It's the true crime podcast. But everything else was like similar to the shorties where it was like Fox Sports presents. Right. uh, Barstool Sports presents. Right. The fucking Dictionary presents, which is who we were up against in the shorties. Yeah. So going back to the shorties, though, guys, we fucking we jumped through all these hoops to enter this competition. And then we made people vote every single day. <laughs> they had to share it on their Facebook, which who even goes on Facebook anymore? They had to share yeah. it on their Twitter. They had to do all of these things. I'm sorry to all the followers I lost during yeah. this time when I was promoting the, the podcast. It was 
Like, I think I lost like a thousand followers. You or know what? It's worth time. no pain, no gain. Right. And then we were just like, fuck, I hope we win because we were up against, again, Fox Sports. There was like Disney Channel stuff. There was like Nickelodeon. I think Xbox had like a podcast entry or something. Um, but yeah, then we fucking won the audience award and it's amazing but then we find out that the trophy is $950 <laughs> to get the fucking piece of shit trophy i want that to sink in with everyone who's listening this is why we were the only independent podcast that even mm-hmm. bothered to enter yeah. because how the fuck could you possibly afford a nearly $500 entry fee per category, keep in mind. So we only applied for one category. If I had, like, if I was a trust fund baby or had an unlimited amount of money, I would have entered us in every fucking category. Yeah. But we could only afford one thanks to Amber O of The Haunted Fam. Yes. And, yeah, as Natalia said, we won the audience honor for best podcast, which means we had the most votes out of every single podcast. But then I get this email. So keep in mind, this is like I'm riding on a high. I'm so excited. I I was at work. I was texting Natalia. I was like, holy shit. Can't believe we won. It was such a long shot. And then I get this email the next day that's like, congratulations on winning the audience honor for best podcast. If you would like to order a trophy, please click this link. And I'm thinking, cool. They just want to know where to send it. Right. right? I click this link. It's nearly $400 for a plaque. And the trophy after shipping and handling and tax is a thousand fucking dollars. Oh, my God. So even if you win... You don't get the trophy. Right. That's like, ugh, it's so rude. The, I'm, like, I told I'm Alyssa so they mystified. were canceled. I already canceled them. Yeah. They're done. Does that not sound just insane? And I grew up watching the shorties. So this is not like this is something that's foreign to me or some like random scam, like pyramid scheme, yeah. like product that I stumbled across on the internet. Like I've watched the shorties for a long time from the comfort of my own home. It used to be like a YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. And then they expanded into other categories. And so I was just so confused. And I texted our friends that won the Streamy Award in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, did you guys have to buy a trophy for the Streamies? And they were like, no, that doesn't even make any sense. Why would you have to? I mean, they're basically like we won the audience honor. So we drove all this traffic to their stupid website for their right. fake awards show. That's a scam. <laughs> and, and we're not even going to get a trophy for it. Even th- like that sucks. I mean, I guess I guess. No, that's our sucks. They it suck. sucks. So shorty awards. Fuck off. Fuck off. But also we, if you I want, want to send a us a trophy, then you're unfucked off. Right. And I'll uncancel you. And then we tweeted about this because we were just so mystified <laughs> and dumbfounded. And you guys banded together and you donated enough money for right. us to get the trophy. Yes. And we had one donator who donated what? Like $800? $800. Yeah. That was like in, insane. Wait, incredible. It was Amanda, right? It was Amanda. Yeah. So Amber O single-handedly funded our entry fee for the shorties for the webbies a ton of you guys funded our entry fee which was amazing and then amanda gave us 800 dollars for this trophy for this trophy thank you thank you so much and everyone else who donated the other about a little under 200 dollars i will read off your names um when we get to the donor section of the podcast honestly i feel like having someone donate $800 or even like $400 for our entry fee is cooler than winning the trophy because now that's like how I describe the podcast. Someone whenever someone like, 
oh, sorry, that wasn't English. Whenever, <laughs> whenever somebody is like, oh, you have a podcast? That's cool. I used to be like, yeah, we just got to a million streams or like, oh, yeah, like we're this number on whatever chart. And now I'm just like, yeah, our donators donated to us so we could get an award. And then everyone's like, oh, my God. We just have the best, most rabid, feral fans on the planet. We love you guys so, so much. much. Thank you for continuing to listen to this podcast. And we all won this shorty together because it was vote based. You guys were fucking hustling. I saw all the tweets. I saw people tweeting literally every single day (laughs) being like, sorry to my followers. Sorry to my mutuals. This is important. And we couldn't have done it without you guys. It was all based on votes. And I liked them all. I liked every single one of them. Oh, I retweeted every (laughs) single one of them. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, So even though we didn't win a Webby, we didn't even get nominated for a Webby. We won the shorty and we beat... Fox Sports, which is yeah. all I really wanted. Shannon Sharp's podcast was up against ours, and he was tweeting and posting he on was? Instagram. Yeah, he was. Um, after like the first week, I think he realized that it wasn't going to be an easy win, and so he started Sh- posting. Should we like do a celebrity boxing match against him to raise? Well, he would win, but yes, we could definitely <laughs> he- do that. What kind of athlete is he? Uh, he is an NFL commentator. I don't know if he used oh. to be in the NFL. Probably, I would assume. But he's very large man, muscular. I am not. I'm very weak. Right. No, we, it would be Natalia dirty. just had a baby. Yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> yeah. speaking of which, Natalia, talk about having a fucking baby. Which part do you want to hear about? I tell me all of it because as someone who's never had a baby, right? I know zero. Yeah. Okay. You guys, this was fucking intense. I feel like, okay, so I feel like I should wait to tell the birth story until next episode because I, like, want to tie it into the story I'm oh, telling okay. you about. perfect. So, you guys, you need to listen to that, so stick around for that because that shit was fucked up and <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you all about it. Um, But, yeah, how, like... I, I just feel amazing. I mean, I, I feel like just my life has, like, expanded in both directions. Like, I now know, like, so many more negative emotions <laughs> because I'm, like, not getting any sleep. And I'm like, what the fuck do you want? Like, why are you doing this to me right now? But then it's, like, on the other end of the spectrum, I feel just, like, so elated and, like, just amazing. And it, it's just one of the greatest things ever. It feels feels really good. feels nice. And I'm happy to be a mom. Yeah. I'm sure it's, like, a, also a brand new feeling of love that you've never experienced before right yeah it's like a literally unconditional love and I felt thought in the past that maybe I had experienced that a couple times but I was like no that was just like some drugs or something yeah. <laughs> you know like that's not real um that was like a manic high or something right. but no I feel yeah I, it feels fantastic like literally your entire day is spent thinking about this like little monster and then yeah right now is like the first time I haven't been thinking about him exclusively you know it's incredible. Yeah. You are my first friend to have a baby, oh. and I am so excited for you. Oh, thank you. And I'm very excited to see what the little tiny nugget looks like as he gets older. I know. Like, well, starts developing his personality and features. Yeah. And- well, real talk, though, guys, I gave birth to a baby that's, like, not the same race as me. So, <laughs> no, for real. He's, like, a white baby with blue eyes, and he's adorable. Like, the cutest, fat little thing ever. But I'm, like, this... I'm... I'm confused. Well, I know that uh, t- melanin tends to come in later. Okay. So that could be that too. Right. I mean, I was born the opposite. I was born with super dark hair and blue eyes, and then my eyes turned brown Whoa. as I got 
like older. Chameleon. So I know that like babies do some weird chameleon shit. Chameleonaire. They're basically yes, chameleonaire. That's right. <laughs> and babies are basically aliens anyway. Yeah. So who's yeah. to say what the baby's gonna look like as it gets older? Hey, that's a good clue for my next uh, episode. Oh shit. Yeah. Is it a change? Okay, no, I don't want to guess because what if I get it right and then. Is it a changeling episode? Oh, oh, I'm not going to confirm or deny. Okay, guys, you'll just have to tune in to next episode to see what's going on. And another, is there anything else you want to say about having a baby? Yeah, before? actually, I want to talk about this. Um, so anyone else who has had a baby or gone through any physical transformation might understand this. But after, after you have a baby, or at least for me, like my body is never going to be the same. You know, like my bones have expanded, like my, like just... I've gone through like a traumatic like experience, right? right? So with my partner now, it's like this weird thing where I'm like really hormonal and I'm like looking at myself in the mirror. I'm like, what the fuck is all this is like new <laughs> shit on my body, you know, right? Like, that you've never had before that I've never had before. And I was talking about it with him and he's like, you know, so in love with me, obviously right now, because he just like watched me like push out a baby, which is like an incredible experience. But he's like, no, I love you. Like everything on you is perfect. Like I, I just love you more now. And I'm like, how can I relate this situation of just giving birth when a man is like trying to tell you that they love you? Like how can I like like make this something that they can understand? And so I thought about it and I was like, okay, how about I took off like three quarters of an inch of your dick <laughs> right now? Like how would that feel? Yeah, how would that make you feel? Yeah, and you're like, and I'm just like, I love you no matter what. And you're like, I just lost like three quarters of an inch of my penis, and right. I'm and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. No one cares. Like you're beautiful. Like I, that's not even why I like met you is because of your penis. Like that's I don't care. <laughs> like, but you're like, but but obviously uh, he would care. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's a great analogy. Yeah, because I so I'm like going through a little bit of that right now of just being like, what is gonna happen to my body? Like, is it all going to go back together the way it I'm was? I'm sure it will because you are so athletic prior to the baby and just in general, you've always been very athletic. Girl, and I, girl. I've heard that shit goes back better when you're not like a cake eating piece of shit like me. <laughs> so I have a lot of faith. But I also heard that birth was like not going to be that bad. Like everyone told me like, oh, you got this. Like I bounced back like everything like that shit. You guys, that was the most traumatic experience of my life, giving right. birth. Yeah. I mean, I didn't want to scare you, but I've only heard negative things about giving birth. <laughs> so I was keeping it real positive for you while you were going into that whole experience. But I have only heard the most traumatic. Yeah. I just feel ever. like everyone was giving me like fake bullshit. Like, Well, that's what you needed, though, because otherwise you wouldn't have gone. I mean, who knows? Maybe know. you, you would have gone for an epidural or you would have gone to a hospital instead of having your like unmedicated yeah. um, at home birth. And that's right. what you wanted. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted it because I had no fucking... You guys, I thought that I had a high pain tolerance before this, but it turns out I had just never felt pain before. <laughs> like, I didn't realize that. I was like, oh, yeah, like, I get a, a face peel without the, um, like, numbing cream. Like, oh I cannot God. give birth without an epidural. <laughs> like, fuck no. That was horrible. Just imagining people, like, pre-hospital, pre-medical advancement days having to give birth in, like, the street yeah. or, like, 
or in, in a in fucking their... manger. You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking oh. about that that Bible story about Joseph and Mary, where she gave birth to Jesus in a manger, and they're like in Look. a barn, yeah, or, yeah, in a barn, in like some straw and stuff. And I was thinking about that as I was going through labor, and I was like, there is no fucking way that I would like be walking around Jerusalem or whatever the fuck they were doing. Like I, right? It <laughs> it wouldn't happen. It would yeah. not happen. Yeah. No. But yeah, I'll tell you guys all about that on the next episode. On the next episode, and. Going into something else that's very exciting. This is the last thing I have for the intro before we get to donors. You guys, we have a sponsor for this episode. Mm. And the sponsor is Ventera Farms. You can go to V-E-N-T-E-R-R-A farms.com. Use code HAUNTED15 at (laughs) checkout for 15% off your order plus free shipping. H-A-U-N-T-E-D-1-5. It's all one mashed together word. Now, you might be saying, Allie, what is this? What is this that you are giving us no information for, (laughs) but starting off strong with the discount code? If you've been following us for a long time, you know that I do human resources and agriculture. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I am a huge proponent of hemp farming. I think that hemp is a very misunderstood crop. I'm so stoked about the farm bill. Um, I'm very stoked that hemp is starting to be decriminalized on a federal level. And I worked in this crop oh my God, that amazing. we have this discount code for. Yeah. So, so if you buy this, it. you have a piece of Alyssa's you labor. You do. You literally do. I pro- I Well, I probably I can't guarantee that I touched it, but I was there <laughs> for the entire duration from cultivation to harvest. So if you guys want to go support not only American farmers, but also local farmers and also me in a roundabout yeah. way. Yeah. Because I touched it. Is this the same CBD that you took the one episode? Yes, okay. it is. If so you, guys, you know it works. Yeah. If you listen to the Fabergé egg episode, we that episode almost didn't get filmed because I had taken way too much CBD and then I had to like move my entire setup back into the closet right. so that I felt safe yeah. and then we recorded it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Wow, this is incredible. You can have a piece of Alyssa's labor, a.k.a. her soul, if you ingest this. It's true. And also, if you guys remember from 2019, where I told Natalia a story about an employee that saw a ghost in a hemp field, this Mm. is from that hemp field. Oh, wow. So it's super haunted. It's super haunted. And that's why the discount code is haunted15. (laughs) Fucking, if you buy some, let me know. Like, DM me. Because I'm stoked and I'm thinking maybe I'll do like a little raffle where like I'll pick someone who bought something and send like a thank you card and maybe, I don't know, some like little piece of like an LGH sticker. I don't know. Yeah, a A token token of of my heart and my gratitude. I love that. Yes. Yeah, you guys. And um, I don't know if this company has social media, but if you do buy something, maybe go to their social media and be like, let's get Han and sent me. Yeah. Because then maybe they'll feel like we're like the powerful ones. Right. Exactly. At (laughs) Ventera Farms, I believe is the Instagram account. I'm not positive, but I occasionally have posted them to my story in the past before. And also, if you're listening to this and you are the stalker, which if you guys don't know, Natalia and I have a stalker, um, don't try to find me by looking up this company because the way that agriculture works is there's like subcontractor upon subcontractor upon subcontractor. And I work like all the way down at like the lowest level subcontractor that is literally just labor, just HR, like all that good shit. So 
if you look up Vintera Farms and their location, you're not going to find me. Listen to me, stalker, if you're listening to this. You fucking piece of shit. You fucking I piece of shit. I will find you no matter what. We I know where you are. We have a restraining order. You cannot touch us for three years. Yeah. So fuck off. But I can do whatever ideas. I want to you. Right. So I know where you are right now. <laughs> I'm stalking you. The tables have turned. Fuck you. Fuck you. And that's all we have today for our <laughs> housekeeping intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to shout out our donors. Okay. <laughs> now, I made a boo-boo. I did not shout out someone whose name was Grim. And I swear to God, in my script for one of the episodes, it literally says your name, Grim. And then you were super sweet and DM'd us and you were like, hey, I donated um, like in the month of April and around 420. And I didn't hear my name shouted out. And I for sure thought that I had, but I just re-listened to the episode to double check and I didn't. So Grim... Mm. I love you. I don't know you personally, but you are a good person. You were so sweet. You donated $69.69 on 420. Grim. What else could we have asked oh, for? I know. What? We failed you, Grim. We failed you, and Grim. I know who you are because I've seen your handle everywhere. <laughs> yeah. We love you. We're very sorry. Thank you so much for being cool about yeah. it. And similarly, if I don't shout you out this episode, I'm going to shout out people who donated between 420 and 529 just because now I'm super paranoid. Um, so if you donated between those t- that time frame and you don't hear me shout you out, bother me, DM mm-hmm. me because it's not intentional. I'm mm-hmm. very grateful. We're very grateful for yes. every donation we receive. So grateful. So our Venmo donors between those two dates are Sonia B, Kayleen A, Erica V, Rachel G, Rachel V, Katrina C, Lindsay L, Kara or Kara H. Christiana E, Madison F, Kelsey K, Sydney B, Audra T, James H, Marley S, Sydney B, Kathleen G, Zach G, Haley U, Amber H, Alyssa C, Kathleen O, Ruby V, Samantha P, and Naya E. And then if I go to our Kofi page, these are all the people who donated between uh, 420 and 529. We have Mary and the Matrix, who wrote, this is my band name, so low-key promoting myself, but also love you guys. Brandon M., Christian M., Elena B., Amanda, Bree, Yuzu Fruit, Johnny P., Mar, Lillian W., The Unusual Wiccan, Desi, Omar C., Mary Elizabeth A., Lotus, Omar M., Amanda G., Mr. E., Anonymous Kofi supporter, Sophia A, Gabby R, Caroline L, Leah R, The Unusual Wiccan Again, Lisa W, Ellen, Bree, Anonymous Kofi supporter who wrote Christian in the in the text. So I'm assuming their name is Christian. Bree, Rianne, Alicia C, Chanel, Bree, Anonymous Kofi supporter again, Sarah, Aya S, Nadine, Alex D, Rebecca H, Mr. E, Danny T, Gabrielle, Anonymous Kofi supporter, Lily, Omar M, and that's it. Wow. Wow. So Thank if you guys I so much. If I miss somebody, then I'm really fucking up because I went all the way back to 420. Yeah, that was everyone in the world you just named. I'm pretty right sure. Now. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys. And I want to thank Martha S, Jonathan M, Sarah B, Haley U, Rachel G, Kat C, Kelly M, Kinsley M, Benjamin S, Lance C, Jamie K, Rachel G. Brielle S, Kelsey K, Christiana E, Amber 
H, Gabby K, Alex Jang, and Capri G, who said Peter Barker. Does that mean something to you? No. Peter Barker. I know, like, Peter, Peter Parker, Parker, but it says... Who's Peter Barker? I don't know. Should I Google it real quick while you tell them how they can donate to us if sure. they want to? If you guys want to donate to us, you can Venmo me at natstrawn or paypal.me slash natstrawn or... Is that right? Yes. Uh-huh. Or you can donate to me at dogmomusa on Venmo or if you want to donate to us on Kofi, you can go to letsgethaunted.com. And in the upper right-hand corner of the screen, there's a big button that says Donate. That'll mm-hmm. take you to our Kofi page. And it doesn't matter who you donate to, me right. or Nat. We split it 50-50 yeah. to keep this podcast running. We do. We do. And I Googled Peter Barker, and the only thing I can find is that he is the chief product officer of a company <laughs> called Forge Rock. And oh, he's just like a white guy in a suit. Okay, is that him? Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> is there anything else you want to shout out before we get into today's story? No, I just want to say thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah. We love you, and it feels fucking good to be back after feels taking really a month good. off. So good. Okay, Natalia, I'm going to tell you a tale today. Oh, great. And I'm very stoked about telling you this tale because... Uh, as you guys may know, if you've listened to us for a while, sometimes if we're feeling ambitious, we like to sometimes go on Spotify or iTunes and type in the name of the topic we're covering just to see, like, have other people covered this right. before? Is this, like, not even worth it? Has this been done to death? And I'm very stoked because this topic, I only found two other podcasts that have covered it. One podcast was literally five minutes long explaining what? this, and the other one was only 30 minutes long. Oh, well... Fuck that. Fuck that. We're, We're gonna about do to a, go balls deep. A two-hour podcast. That's right. Natalia. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm, I'm super ready. I see you have a book laying on this counter that says The Monster Book of Switzerland, and it looks oh, like a child's. alert. It looks like a child's book. It is a child's book. Okay. And I like it <laughs> for that reason. It has a lot of pictures, and we will get to that book very shortly. Yeah. I'm so, just painting the scene yeah. for everyone. So as you just alluded to, today's story takes place in western Switzerland in the region of Freiburg or Freiburg. I'm not entirely sure what the name of this region is, how it's pronounced. Um, I am not Swiss. I am American. So if I'm mispronouncing everything, I'm sorry, guys. It is what it is. I don't speak French. (laughs) So it is in the region of Freiburg in a forest just outside of a town called Maule. And according to... Wait a second. Do they speak French in Switzerland? They sure do. Really? Mm-hmm. They don't speak Swiss? Nope. They speak French. What? So Swiss isn't even a real language? Not to my knowledge. So what the fuck? Well, I'm about to tell you what the fuck <laughs> is up with Switzerland. According to the United Nations, approximately 31% or about 1,240,000 hectares of Switzerland is forested. Of this, 40,000 hectares are classified as primary forest, which is the most biodiverse and carbon-dense form of forest in the world. Mm. Roughly 500 million trees grow in Switzerland's woods, and when the government funded a scientific survey in 1981 and again in 2010, it was found that the most frequent tree species in the country are spruce, beech, and silver fir. Slay. Slay. The town of Malé is so small that in 2001, <laughs> it was merged with three other towns to form the municipality of Saleh. 
As of 2009, Saleh has an area of just 7.3 square miles with a population of only 1,461 people. And just over 20% of the municipality is covered in forests. About 95% of the population speaks French, just under 2% speaks German, and a little over 1.5% speak Portuguese. And uh, I thought this was funny. This town is so small that when they were doing this survey, literally only one person speaks Italian. Really? Yeah. So oh, in yeah, I survey. just Googled it as soon as you told me that they speak French. I was like, there's no way. And then I looked it up and it says, yeah, they do speak French there. As I just told you. You well, don't believe me? So one time I went to Switzerland and we have friends there and they spoke this language called Swiss German. So I just assumed that it was like a mixture of Swiss and German. But maybe what I'm hearing now is that it's... It's actually just German, and they With call it Swiss German. Well, I think probably as, like, for example, we speak American English, and then there's uh, British English, oh, right? right? It's probably something like that, where the dialect is just a little bit different, would be okay. my, my guess. You guys, I learned so much on this podcast. <laughs> this is an educational <laughs> podcast, first and foremost. As of 2008, the population was 49.7% male and 50.3% female. As of the year 2000, children and teenagers make up 31.2% of the population, while adults make up 54%, and seniors make up 14.9%. From the 2000 census, 522 people were Roman Catholic, while 19 people belonged to the Swiss Reformed Church. 19 people? 19, that's why I'm telling you, this town is so small wow. that when we're talking about the types of demographics, it's it's literally like you could fit everybody in an auditorium. Wow. There were 22 people who identified as Islamic, and there was one person who was a Buddhist. And I'm wondering if it's also that one person who spoke Italian, because that would be wow. silly. Um, 17 people belonged to no church and identified as either agnostic or atheist, and eight individuals did not answer the question. So, Natalia, I am going to show you a Google map of Maule, and I want you to describe it to our listeners. Okay. So, this is what it looks like in Maule. And you can kind of, if you want, you can, I don't know if you've ever used Google Maps, but you can hold down your cursor and kind of swivel around. Oh, wow. Okay, so I'm looking at um, a very dense forest, but then there's also pieces of grass that look like they've been groomed or manicured. Where the fuck is the town? Where are the buildings? Oh, okay, I see it's over here. Yeah, so um, this does not, this looks like a painting, actually, like uh, one of those paintings of like a farmer girl right. with like a cow or something. It's very beautiful. It's absolutely stunning. Um, it doesn't look real to me. So right. <laughs> I feel like there can't possibly be a place this magical that just exists. Um, and this footage that you're showing me is probably fake. But, right. But for the sake of this, I'll go ahead and say, yeah, that this is a real place. And the, the uh, houses, as you were kind of alluding to are super far apart from each other yes um it's definitely a very small town there's these patches of forest around these clearings like natalia was describing and then normally in the clearing is where where you'll find like a house or two houses or you know five houses kind of grouped together yeah it looks like a place where little red riding hood would like have to journey through totally yeah so it was in these picturesque woods in the early 2000s when locals began observing a peculiar figure of unknown origin. What? It is unclear when exactly the first sighting was, 
but locals have estimated that the, quote, ghost of Malay, <gasps> as it would come to be known, was initially spotted sometime between the years of 2000 and 2003. Described as a tall, human-like figure between six and seven feet in height, the creature was observed walking the forest trails and entering and exiting the tree line on at least a weekly basis. Oh my god, that is so terrifying. That is like M. Night Shyamalan. The, the, what is that fucking movie? <laughs> Shyamalan or yeah. oh, The Village? The Village. Yeah, you're totally right. For some <laughs> unknown reason, locals began referring to the humanoid figure as Le Loyon, which translates to the wolf. wolf? The Loyon. It literally doesn't mean anything. Loyon? Yeah, it just... Le Loyon means the Loyon. It it doesn't mean anything. Oh. Which adds to the mystery. And I'm going to kind of talk about that in in the theories. Interesting. About what some people think it might mean. Some describe the figure as a male, while others hypothesize that the figure is female, while still others describing it as more of a genderless, ghostly entity than Mm. something of flesh and blood. And the reason for the confusion revolves around the strange attire worn by the being. Le Loyon is described as wearing the following. A dark colored boiler suit, possibly in camouflage or black. A long rubber cape with a hood that reaches down to the creature's feet. What? Dark rubber gloves. Dark military boots. And an antique gas mask that looks like it could be from the 1920s or possibly the 1930s. Okay, at first I was going to say this is just one person who lives in the woods. Probably since, you know, we found out that um, this all these people could just fit into an auditorium. But now that you're describing to me what they're wearing, I'm like, this is not a normal like situation at all. No, not at no. all. You can see why it would be freaky if you're yeah. just living your life, like milking your cow. And Darth in, Vader is yeah. living in your woods. Exactly. He just like pops out every once in a while, looks at you and leaves. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm going to show you some pictures of some of the items that Le Loyon is thought to have worn. And I'm going to show you some artist's renditions of what people think he or she or it looks like. A rubber cape. What could that be used for? Like, is it like a raincoat? Like, why would it need to be made of rubber? These are all good questions. And I think that's what contributes to why it's so mysterious, because there doesn't seem to be any practical purpose that I can think of. I'm just thinking if you were wearing all rubber and you're like sprinting through the forest, it would sound like, oh, wow. Wait, what? What? So these are, I'm showing Natalia two different artist renditions of what Le Loyon is described to look like. And I at the bottom, I'm also showing her an example of the type of <laughs> boiler suit that people have seen him wearing, if you can describe this to our audience. Okay, well, I'm going to start with the boiler suit because it's, I can't not start with it. Um, It's like a pleather, what is this? Like a vinyl, like, jumpsuit? Right. It's a vinyl jumpsuit. Um, it's looking really erotic to me at this moment. And it just zips all the way up from crotch to the neck. Um, yeah, that's that. And these two other artist renditions, one of them is like a skull. It's like a skull sort of face wearing big goggles. And then it has those like gas mask, um, like what do you call those? The, the regulators? It's uh, cartridges. Okay, cartridges at the bottom, but it's clearly like a skull, 
look. Like you can see that part of the nose looks like a nose is like cartilage has worn away and it's just the bone that's left. And then the second one is just not even I <laughs> the it's not a human first of all. It's like it's the shape of a, a person's head. You know what it looks like? It looks like that um, guy from Pirates of the Caribbean with all the tentacles. Barbosa. Yeah, it looks like Captain Barbosa if he took off his hat and his brain was exposed. <laughs> and then also you cut off all his tentacles and um, underneath saw that he had a spine coming out of his nose going through <laughs> his heart and over his shoulder. So actually nothing like Captain Barbosa, got it. But it's really like it's like a red it's like a red lobster type man though at the same time. And then he has two fleshy rings around his eyes. So in the one case, you have um like a skeleton that has no flesh that's wearing the regulator. And then the other one, it's literally a man made of flesh um and his glasses and regulator are also made of human uh, body parts as well. Correct. So <laughs> you you hit on something very important because like Natalia said, on one hand, you could maybe see how, okay, maybe this is just a dude who's wearing a scary as fuck outfit. Right. Maybe it's a skeleton wearing a respirator, like right. an old timey respirator. Or maybe it's this alien and the respirator is not a respirator at all or monster. It's part of his body. Oh, my God. Right? So that keeps adding to the mystery because this is described in so many different ways. It also looks like Freudberg. Zoidberg? Zoidberg. Yeah. Yeah, Him too. It looks like Zoidberg, that lobster man. Right. If he was boiled. You know, it kind of does. You're right. Um, And if you guys are interested in seeing any of the images that we're describing to you, if we're doing a really bad job describing it and you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Go to at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram where I will post all of these photos that we're looking at. Just do it anyways. Comment and like it anyways, even if you don't want to. Good point. And uh, the first sightings of Le Loyon were mostly reported by young children that were playing in the woods. The encounters were more or less always the same. A group of small children would be playing amongst the tall spruce and beech trees, sometimes playing hide-and-seek, sometimes follow the leader, and sometimes simply exploring while looking for interesting flowers, sticks, or rocks to take home. (laughs) Suddenly, while laughing and playing and running about, a child would encounter Le Loyon. Moving silently through the trees, his cape billowing as he seemed to glide across the ground. Frightened, the child would freeze in his or her tracks. Le Loyon would also freeze, staring at the child, unmoving, unbreathing. Will you stop looking at me when you're talking because I'm freaking out? Being that the ominous figure's entire face was apparently concealed by some sort of gas mask, the children who saw Le Loyon were unable to report what the creature was doing or who or what he might be. Most of the time, the children would run back to their homes, screaming and crying, but sometimes the child would remain frozen in its tracks, and Le Loyon would turn his back and glide silently away through the forest. When the first reports of the mysterious figure were reported by children to their parents, it was chalked up to active imaginations. Many parents thought their children were just playing a game, or perhaps that someone had left a cape hanging off on a faraway tree, giving the illusion of an otherworldly figure stalking through the forest. Then, the sightings by adults started. Women walking by themselves on pathways through the forest were the next to counter Le Loyon. He would appear in their periphery, 
a gliding dark figure partially obscured by the many skinny trees jutting up from the soft mossy earth. Sensing that something was watching them, the women would slowly turn towards the dark flash that had appeared in the corner of their eyes. They would then find Le Leon, again motionless and staring. Some of the women would yell at the figure, Who are you? What do you want? But Le Leon would never respond. Instead, either the women would turn on their heels to run away, fearing for their lives, or Le Leon would simply dissipate into the distance. In June of 2012, a local woman named Mariana de Clou reported encountering Le Leon while she was walking alone through the woods. In an interview, de Clou stated the following of the encounter, quote, It was a rainy Sunday. He had a head covering, a cloak, and a dark gas mask. He was carrying what I think may have been a flower box or a bunch of flowers or maybe vegetables. What could possibly have been going through his mind, I cannot say, but it was an unforgettable and unpleasant experience for me. Very, very unsettling. I hope I never see him again. What? Okay, so he's just living in these woods and like harvesting fruits and Well, that's only and... one person that saw him carrying something that she right. thought, oh, maybe it was flowers or a flower box or like vegetables or something. Right. But also... I mean, if I'm in a panic mode and yeah. I see someone that looks like that or something that looks like that, I don't know how much attention I'm going to be paying to what they were carrying. Right. So that's how she describes it. But we don't really know what was in his hands. <sighs> this is very stressful. And thusly continued the sightings of Le Loyon for nearly a decade in these same woods. Many encountered him walking the same path on a weekly basis, as if confined to wander only a specific part of the woods like clockwork rarely deviating from his schedule. Sightings were reported to local police on many occasions, but the authorities were unsure of what they could do. After all, the figure was not attacking anyone or doing anything illegal. Additionally, many policemen were skeptical of the sightings as no one had ever managed to snap a photo or video of Le Loyon, despite the reports that he seemed to walk the same paths at the same times each week. Shouldn't it be fairly easy for someone to have photographed him by now if he in fact did exist, the authorities wondered? Mm. Since nobody had, he must not be real. Perhaps just an urban legend dreamed up by some imaginative citizens living in a sleepy farming town. In fact, the police would never even investigate the creature until 2013 when a hiker was traversing the forest paths with his family and came across the beast himself. According to the hiker, who gave an anonymous interview to the Swiss newspaper Le Matin, this is what happened. Quote, I had heard about the creature, and a cousin told me that he had once seen it from a distance. I did not know whether or not the story was true, but I myself ran into it on Sunday afternoon near the peat bogs. I approached, about 10 meters from it. It had a military cape, boots, and an army gas mask, an older model, I believe. It was over 1.9 meters tall. It stared at me, then it turned its back on me and walked quietly away. The interview continues. He, or she for that matter, was not aggressive. But if I had been alone, I would have approached him to tell him that he scares children and needs to stop. I didn't have the chance to do this, though, since I was with my own children, who were very scared, and I had to reassure and comfort them until he left. So I stayed cautious, and I just took a picture with my phone when he left. You never know, maybe he's just a crazy guy. 
The interview published by Le Matin was accompanied by the first ever alleged photo of yeah. Le Loyon. Show it. The photo and the article quickly became viral in Switzerland, and the figure became dubbed as Switzerland's equivalent of the Loch Ness Monster. So, Natalia, I'm going to show you yeah. the only photo ever taken of Le Loyon, and I want you to describe it to our listeners. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> yes. Okay, you guys, this is like a legit photo. Like, this is a lot of times on this podcast, we see photos that are just like, that's not anything. Right. Like, that's just a blurry, like, right. bear, bear in the exactly. background. Exactly. That's a bear with mange. Mm -hmm. This is clearly not a bear with mange. This is a, um, a human wearing a camo, like, yeah, like a rubber camo cape. To me... I hear it. Okay, I heard this described as wearing like a rubber cape. I don't think that's the right description. I think it's a poncho. It's like one oh. of those like military type ponchos that you could get from like an army surplus store or mm -hmm. something. Um, and yeah, it's like floor length and it has a hood on it and it's camo. Like it's like specks of brown and green and black kind of all together. And then it looks like there's some heavy black boots underneath as well. But it's clearly a figure walking down the path away from whoever is taking the photo. It looks like it's probably like 30, 40 feet in front of them based off of just what I'm seeing here. And um, yeah, so this is like definite proof that there's some fucking weird person walking around that is wearing this outfit that you don't really need to be wearing to just like yeah if you're out for a leisurely stroll in the swiss forest right. of malay you don't need to be dressed in like apocalyptic gear yeah this person is whatever this is is haunted right i'm gonna say that far and some people complain about this photo because it is kind of blurry. But the reason why it's blurry, according to the guy who was interviewed, is because, like he says, he was pretty far away from the creature. Right. So and he zoomed in, zoomed in yeah. using 2013 technology. cell phone technology. Right. Right. Yeah. I it, I can barely ever get clear photos, especially if I try to take portrait mode with an iPhone. Oh, and then no. your subject has to stand so still. And if they don't, then it's blurry anyways. So I see how people take blurry photos all the time. Exactly. And a lot of people say, um, oh, well, that photo is probably just a hoax because what are the odds that nobody else had ever photographed it prior to 2013? And to that, I would just say, keep in mind, this is a sleepy farming town. This creature was first spotted around 2000 or 2003. I don't know when you got your first cell phone, yeah. but I don't think I got my first cell phone until like 2006. You guys, what are the odds that we would win a Shorty Award and then can't afford the award? Like, I'm just saying, <laughs> shit happens. Okay? Yeah, shit happens. <laughs> also, I'm sorry, but if I'm walking alone in the woods and a possible murderer, a, mm -hmm. like, is in the distance, right. the first thing I think of is how the fuck am I going to get away? Right. It's not like, oh, let me take out my phone, yeah. hold it steady, make yeah. sure that it's in focus, and then take a photo. Oh, let me, In fact, let me walk closer to it so I can get yeah. a high-quality image of this. No. Absolutely not. Mm -mm. And and then the young children that saw the creature for the first few years, again, I did not have a cell phone until, yeah, like yeah. 2006 or something. So why would a tiny child have a cell phone? Right. Especially if they live in Switzerland and are like playing with sticks and rocks for fun. Exactly. <laughs> As the virality of the Swiss cryptid grew, more and more people became interested in hunting down the creature to see it for themselves. No. Despite many people beginning to hike the woods daily, sightings of Le Loyon were very rare, and no other photographs were ever taken. Locals were not amused by the increase in popularity of their small village. 
a local farmer made the following statement to a journalist who asked him what he thought of the mysterious figure. Quote, All I know is families simply won't go into the forest anymore. Everyone here has seen him, and no one living through this nightmare finds the story funny or interesting. Mm. The last alleged sighting that we have on record came in November of 2013 when Le Matin published their final article on the subject. A local had reported to the paper that on a walk about town one day, they came across the clothing of Le Loyon. His gas mask, his cloak, and his boiler suit all laid out neatly on a large rock in front of the Chapel du Molay, a church located on the outskirts of the Malay forest, with several pieces of paper tucked underneath the clothing. The papers were then published by Le Matin and only caused the mystery to deepen. The letter was then taken from Le Matin and published to a local newsletter for Malay. The newsletter, written by a man named Jean-Marc Piguet in French, roughly translates as follows. Farewell, the ghost of Malay. And this is, so this first, I'm going to describe it because people get confused when I was listening to the five-minute mm. um, podcast that right. covered this topic. This first paragraph is written by Jean-Marc, mm-hmm. the journalist, and then we get into a letter that was found underneath the jacket or the coat of the creature. Okay. Okay. So Jean-Marc writes, farewell, the ghost of Maole. The grand gesture, and this is all translated from French, so stick with me. The grand gesture of the Orange Journal would have excited the inhabitants of the village of Gruyere or even the outer Atlantic. The presence of the man in the gas mask and the military cape in the woods of Maole and in Mont-Giblou, such as described in the Presse à Scandale, would not go without effects and consequences. For a number of years, he has been walking like this without ever looking for contact or bothering anybody. It may be terrifying or surprising for certain people, but there has never been a complaint to the village or the police. Since being covered in the media, feelings of insecurity have grown, and curious people have come forward. We will never see him again. He left his mask and his hood at the foot of a small chapel that he was very fond of, along with the text below. Okay, so now we get into what the letter said. This is what was stuffed inside of his clothes. Right, correct. The death certificate and testimony of the ghost of Maolay. Dear supposed Patrick of Le Matin, not only are you an idiot and a very (laughs) stupid person, but you are certainly an assassin. You have assassinated a completely harmless person who found in his walks a true therapy for happiness, an intellectual revitalization that allows him to confront his responsibilities and the tribulations of his, quote, normal life, of which he had many. The ghost is not in a position to explain this happiness, but you do not seem to know the teachings of Sakar Masco. You will discover that it's necessary of all to make a world. Next, you are an assassin of freedom. According to you, we find ourselves in the Middle Ages at the time of witches, where you don't rise up against little hooded toads dressed in leather who backfire on their cross-country motorcycles in the same forest, breaking the law. Do they take the time to slow down in front of the little chapel to ask for a better world? I terrorize children, you make me laugh. Why are they not terrorized by the horrors and crimes that they see on the TV and in the media, which is much more real than I am? Who is responsible for regulating the level of tolerance and liberty in this society? 
these nice ideas of tolerance and liberty that are most beneficial for the drug dealers, the pimps, the burglars, the rapists and hooligans. Switzerland is small, and who do not conform to the garden gnome must be eradicated. I thought during all these years, while no one bothered me up until you, that these feelings and opinions would evolve. But you proved me wrong, unfortunately. So the ghost is disappearing. The risk of hunting the beast is too high now. He will come back to haunt the spirits inhabiting your species, because in the end, a ghost never dies. To the kind walker or person who looks for mushrooms, who will discover my things, deliver this message to the mayor or the vice-mayor or even a journalist capable, above all, of writing about tolerance and freedom. Someone sensible. The journalist of Le Matin will understand. Maybe. And then Jean-Marc comes back in right. with a little uh, yeah, like he's closing. Gotta, yeah, he's got to He's got to make some sense of this. Yeah. So Jean-Marc says, Farewell, the ghost of Malay. I sincerely hope that our society will continue to advocate for tolerance and freedom, which I agree with easily has a tendency to lose importance in the face of personal interest, the pointless, and the selfishness. May your wisdom in the face of these events allow the revealing of important elements of a life lived in a serene and fulfilling community. Farewell, the ghost of Maolay. We will never meet again, but I hope you find a new place to escape the tribulations of life that gives you as much peace and happiness as you would like and have the right to. Jean-Marc Piguet. And that's where the tale of the ghost of Maolay or Le Loyon ends. Some interpret this letter to mean that he literally committed suicide, while others speculate that the, quote, assassination he writes about in this letter is symbolic. Rather than killing himself, Le Loyon writes about killing off the character he plays in the woods while wearing this strange attire. It should be noted that this letter has never been authenticated, as it would be impossible to do so, and therefore we do not know if this letter is genuine or was invented by a tabloid, or simply was a hoax. So now, Natalia, I want to hear your thoughts yeah. on this letter before I get into the theories. Yeah, first of all, I want to say those are two really dramatic people. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I was listening to that, and I was like, this is very dramatic. Right. Um, but I'm also here for it, because it's very interesting. Now, my first thought is that this ghost of uh, Le- Leon, no. Ghost of Malay or Le Leon. You okay, them Ghost of Malay. It seems like based on the letter they wrote is is a human who is part of that society that they're living in because they seem to have a lot of understanding of the way that the world works and um, language as well. And uh, they have an opinion on the way that things are going. And in order to have an opinion on society, you have to be a part of it, right? Right. Um, and it kind of seems like maybe they're disappointed in like all of the fame that they've gotten. They kind of just wanted to get off the grid maybe or like just have weirdo hours where they like, <laughs> you know, went and cosplayed a, a sex addicted military man in the forest. I'm not sure. Um, but they're really upset about this now because they're like, this is literally just like a time for me to go and like reflect on whoever the fuck that author was they right. listed. And now everyone's robbing me of my right to, like I said, have weirdo hours. It's like a free country, basically. Like I should be able to walk through the woods. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not doing anything weird. And now people are trying to literally kill me. Yeah, for... like hunt me down. Yeah. And, but at the same time, 
it seems also like why like I don't know there's like a there is a layer of creepiness to it that this person is has laid out all of these clothes and in front of this chapel and written this note it just something about it seems strange like this is not this is not like your normal you know man living next door right like this is a very troubled troubled or you know just just a yeah, just it's someone who's different. But but now I'm feeling sensitive to them as well. I'm like, why can't they just like go out and scare children and you know, like be like he's not like screaming boo. He's just standing there staring at them, right? Right. Well, I think there's a couple different ways you can look at the letter. One is you can just think it's a hoax. Like because right. as we talk about the theories, um, like for example, that farmer that was interviewed that was like, Look, none of us are entertained by this like public right. national attention coming to our small little town. Like we are all afraid of walking through this forest because mm-hmm. there's just something out right. there that appears, mm-hmm. stares at you yeah. and and leaves. And so It could be that maybe the citizens kind of banded together and they were like, look, we want this attention to go away. So we're going to kill off this creature by buying stuff, like buying similar clothing to the outfit, laying it out with a note. It was M. Night Shyamalan twist all all along. (laughs) Yeah, it could have been. And then the other thought that I have about this letter is that if it's genuine, this person seems really out of touch because they keep saying, like, I'm not doing anything wrong. Nobody's Mm. bothered by me. And then you, Patrick, from this tabloid, Le Matin, wrote about me. And now everyone wants to hunt me down. It's like, no, dude, people had a problem with you way before it was published in a newspaper. Like, you were terrifying like women, children, mm-hmm. uh, people, random citizens of this right. town, like families that were walking through the forest. Like people are afraid of you, dude. Right. Like just because you're not stabbing someone to death doesn't yeah. mean that it's okay to like freak people out seemingly on purpose. Right. Why? I wish someone would just ask him like why the outfit? Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you asked that because now is the time in our podcast where we get into the theories, Natalia. Oh, incredible. And we begin our theories, as always, with the basic explanations, the skeptic explanations. Mm. And then we slowly work our way up to the most, like, bizarre, batshit, off-the-wall theories. Right. And if you're new to this podcast, that's generally how it works. We're going to look at all angles. Love this. For us. Yes, I love it, too. (laughs) So here is theory number one. Mm Mm-hmm. This first theory is a popular one amongst the Swiss skeptics who read about this story in Le Matin as it was happening. And in order to explain this theory, I need to briefly tell you another story that might potentially have some parallels to this one. Two stories for one? Okay. Yes. So let me quickly transport you to western Pennsylvania in the United States to the small borough of Koppel. Mm. From the 1930s through the 1970s in this particular region of Pennsylvania, a strange entity was often spotted wandering the same path each night along State Route 351. Stumbling and ambling through the darkness in the dead of night, the outline of a man emanating a green light could often be spotted along the road. Teenagers driving along this desolate stretch of highway at just the right moment would see the back of this figure, who would then often wander into the path of oncoming traffic. Some would swerve to avoid the man and continue on, not stopping to see if he needed help. However, those who slammed on their brakes or slowed down for the green man would be met with a horrific sight when met with the figure's face. Mm. 
for it was not a man's face staring back at them at all. Instead, something resembling chewed up bubblegum or a block of old Swiss cheese sat atop the figure's shoulders in the area that a head should be. Terrified, the teenagers would accelerate, terrified and screaming, away from the ghastly visage of what became known as the Green Man of Pennsylvania, or Charlie No-Face. Those are the two nicknames. Charlie No-Face became somewhat of an urban legend. Rumors swirled through the town that a glowing ghost was haunting State Route 351 and other nearby country lanes. The legend stated that the greenish hue of the spirit was due to its untimely death of being struck by lightning. Its soul was so tortured and confused that it wandered the same path each night, unaware that it was dead, hoping to find its home. The legend was so popular that it became almost a rite of passage for seniors in high school to take their dates and friends on joyrides late at night in search of the green man. (laughs) Nobody really believed that the ghost was real, but it certainly made for a fun and terrifying story. Imagine everyone's surprise, then, when a group of teenagers returned from one of these late-night hunts for the green man with definitive proof of his existence, (gasps) a photograph. No. Natalia, I'm going to show you that photograph right now, and I want you to describe it to the audience. Okay, real quick while you're pulling it up, though. um, I was thinking they were saying they took their dates on these, like, joy rides to go find this ghost, and at first I was like, that sucks, and then I was like, actually, no, that's the sickest date I've ever thought of. Like, if someone picked you up and and you're like, oh, so what are we doing? Like, dinner, movie, dancing? Like, what's up? They're like, no, I have a map here, and we're gonna go find this legendary ghost that supposedly lives here. I would be like, wow, I might die tonight but i'll die happy sorry guys i just knocked over a bunch of shit (laughs) yes it's it's certainly an interesting date i'll give i'll give people that what okay i'm looking at a photo of one two three four five um young men they look to be about like late teens early 20s like i'm gonna put them in the 18 to 20 20 year old range and the one one of them in the middle looks like he's got a cigar in his mouth maybe i can honestly his face looks like a smudge honestly like it, he doesn't have a he he doesn't have a face but it's like it's like a smudge it looks like it's like a rorschach test or something like you know the ink blot yeah test? yeah it looks like like mr potato had like I can't describe it. You guys are going to have to go to the um, Instagram and look at this. But it looks like a group of young guys partying. Like, they look to be all, like, they're, you know, hyped up on whatever, like, cigarettes and beer or something. Yeah, and it looks like, like, the one on the left looks like he can't even fucking believe that, like, they're getting a photo with this urban legend. But it also looks like just people posing with a celebrity. Like, they don't seem scared at all. They're all seeming, like, super stoked. And then you have this Charlie No-Face in the middle who's just like, yeah, I'm here. What's up? Yeah, I'm just chilling and you caught me type of thing. It's not blurry at all. It's a super clear photo. Yeah, that's kind of hilarious. Yeah, it's it's definitely like I was very interested in this little mini story I'm telling right now because it's such a clear photo. Right. So this is a case where an urban legend turned out to be true, except in this case, the green man was not the dead soul of a man who was struck by lightning, as the urban legend said 
but rather a real, living, and breathing human man whose name was Raymond Robinson. Raymond was eight years old in 1919 when he was out hunting for bird's nests near his home. Spotting another a, one? Another one. If you guys have listened to our podcast for a while, this is a common theme of shit happening to little kids looking for bird's nests. Yeah, don't do it. Never do it. Spotting a nest on a trolley bridge, young Raymond climbed a pole to reach it. When he touched the bridge, he was immediately struck by an electrical current that ran through the trolley lines. It was estimated that his body received somewhere between 11,000 and 22,000 volts of electricity through his entire tiny body at once. Mm. The extreme shock knocked him to the ground unconscious and burned off his nose, both of his eyes, and his right arm. Mm. When he was discovered and taken to the hospital, doctors told his parents that he would never awaken from his state of unconsciousness. Hold on. Are you telling me that you just showed me a picture of that and it was a burn victim and... We're going to get into it, Natalia. We're going to get into it. Because now I feel it. really fucked up. You should. And we're going to get into <laughs> it. Would never awaken from his state of unconsciousness and that they should not expect their son to survive the night. To everyone's surprise, Raymond did wake up and was able to hear and talk just fine. For the next 65 years, Raymond rarely left his family home. The few times he did try to leave, people would scream in terror at his face or even call the police on him. Not wanting any trouble, Raymond began only leaving his home late at night to go on walks by himself and take in the night air. Mm. With the aid of his walking stick, Raymond was able to navigate the same path each night. The glowing green light that the witnesses reported also had an explanation. Raymond was known to wear a green army jacket and sometimes a green flannel while out on his walks. The reflection of a car's headlights onto his clothing would sometimes cast a greenish glow onto his face. And as for the rumor that the ghost wandered into traffic in the hopes of stopping cars, this was partially true as well. Raymond was known to accidentally wander onto the highway and had in fact been accidentally struck by passing cars on more than one occasion. Raymond lived to the ripe old age of 74, dying of natural causes in a nursing home. So how does this story relate to the story of Le Loyon? Well, many Swiss skeptics speculate that Le Loyon could be a very similar situation to the Green Man of Pennsylvania. Hmm. What if the ghost of Malay was no ghost at all, but just a human wearing odd attire to hide a bad skin condition or some kind of disfigurement of the face or body? Perhaps this would also explain for the solitary nature of the figure, why it never seemed to want to interact with anyone, and also why it seemed to take the same path every night. If the ghost was actually just someone with a disfigurement, like the Green Man of Pennsylvania, then maybe it was a blind person who was attempting to follow the same path each night. Mm. So you saying that this like is like fucked up is totally fucked up. And actually, the story of Raymond is like very sad. People yeah. people would like fuck with him. They would offer him rides, and then they'd drop him off in the middle of nowhere. And he doesn't have eyes. He's yeah. blind, so he couldn't find his way back. Right, and like. He lived a pretty solitary life. Like, luckily, he lived with family, and he would, um, like, make belts and things like that to sell for a living. But people mm. were, like, very afraid of him. And so yeah. the only time he could go out was on these solitary walks late at night. And then people started mistaking him for some kind of ghost mm-hmm. or entity when he was a, like, living, breathing human yeah, who was just, like, trying to live his life. Right. That's so annoying to me. It's... 
horrible, right? So that is like the baseline skeptic theory that people say is like, look, this is just a regular dude who, and the reason why his note is so dramatic is because like this is the only way he can like exist in society Mm -hmm. without scaring people is wearing this attire yeah and maybe he yeah maybe he has the gas mask on to help him filter through the air if he has some sort of like breathing condition right and maybe he has camo because he's trying to hide yeah blend in but then he sticks out because if he's like blind or just unaware of how other people's senses work i don't know yeah i mean who's to say so that's like the saddest theory yeah okay then we move into theory number two Natalia, do you know what a gimp is? We talked about this on the podcast before. We couldn't figure out if it was an offensive term or not. So here's what I think a gimp is. And this is my only reference from it. In Pulp Fiction, there's a scene where I can't remember what the fuck happened, but they <laughs> they end up in I think they're like they got kidnapped by someone. And in the room that they're like tied up in, there's a man and he's wearing like a vinyl suit that and he's like cuffed and stuff. It looks like some sort of like kink. I don't know. Yes. Like bondage type thing. You're right. And they call him a gimp. And I think the idea is that it's like some I don't know if there's a sexual nature to it or not or if that was just part of their like role play that was going on in this movie. But it's like someone who is physically limited, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, you're definitely on the right track. Um, according to an article published to Pop Sugar by journalist Andrea Ryer, she writes, quote, For those of you who aren't familiar, a gimp refers to someone whose sexual fetish is to dress in a rubber mask or bodysuit and then be restrained and dominated. While once used as a slang term, the dictionary has now included it to mean a sexual fetishist who likes to be dominated and who dresses in leather or rubber bodysuit with mask, zips, and chains. Mm. And some people speculate that the boiler suit worn by Le Loyon is actually a gimp suit. So a boiler suit, we didn't really say earlier, but a boiler suit is, I mean, it looks similar to a gimp suit, to be honest, but it actually has a function. Um, It's chemical resistant. And so a lot of people that work in factories will wear these suits. Like I know I've worn a suit before on the farm that I work at, where if you're like working in close proximity to fertilizers, you don't and you like don't want to spill on yourself. It can burn a hole through your clothes. Some of these fertilizers, then you wear like a PVC suit. Right. And it's, it's not skin tight at all. It's like overalls, like very yeah. baggy. But there are some versions of boiler suits that are like more form fitting. So I'm going to show you what a gimp suit looks like. <laughs> and I want you to describe it to our listeners. There's also a gimp in American Horror Story in like the yes. first season, I think. It's like a demon that comes dressed up in this like little vinyl cat suit type thing. Exactly. So here is a photo of a guy very proudly yeah. displaying his fetish. Yeah, I mean, he's really like rocking this outfit. Um <laughs> Okay, Alyssa is showing me uh a photo of a man, I'm going to assume by the shape of their body. Um and yeah, he's just in head to toe latex and also just like posing super confidently. So, you know he's what? He's rocking it. Yeah, go you. Slay. But there's literally only um, eye holes and a mouth hole and like a small hole for the nose. And he's wearing a choker and uh, looks like like restraints on his wrists too. 
Exactly. Thank you for that beautiful description. I'm con- just on a just how the fuck are you supposed to have sex with that? Like, is there holes in it somewhere for their genitals? If you guys listen, do you to this have podcast, sex on it? Like, yeah. it, like, are you- how do you do it? If you're a gimp. Uh, please respond to this podcast and let us know because we're very interested in learning right. what this is all about. So, right. um, additionally, many have pointed out that gas masks are also very common in fetish wear. Did you mm-hmm. know this? Um, no. I feel like gas masks, gas masks are what like cyberpunk people wear, you know? Yeah. I think I it definitely it was... it transcends um, subcultures, I and, think. And like burners wear them. Right. Yeah. So I didn't know that the gas mask was also a, could be a sexual thing. So I looked it up. And according to latexwiki.com, quote, the meaning of gas masks in BDSM can vary. It can be for fetish, punishment, rewarding, or style. Generally, the gas mask is used in combination with a latex suit. Fetishists may like gas masks because of their shape, breathing sound, mysterious look, enclosure, identity, privacy, protection, feeling, etc. They can also be part of a hazmat or scuba fetish. Gas masks are very versatile gear in BDSM. They can be used for many things such as punishment <laughs> together with bondage equipment, dehumanization, decharacterization, or can even be used in breath play to alter the air supply of the wearer. If it covers the eyes and the eye holes are then painted or covered, it also makes an effective blindfold. Most of the masks have a universal filter or hose plug, which means that the parts are interchangeable and can make some interesting combinations. Most gas masks used in BDSM are obsolete models that no longer protect from hazards according to international standards. They should therefore only be used for play or showcasing, even if they do have a new filter. Further... If we believe that the suicide note really was written by Le Leon, mm. then the greatest point towards this theory comes from his own words when he writes, quote, You have assassinated a completely harmless person who found in his walks a true therapy for happiness, an intellectual revitalization that allows him to confront his responsibilities and the tribulations of his, quote, normal life, of which he had many. Mm. The ghost is not in a position to explain this happiness, but you do not seem to know the teachings of Sakur Masok. You will discover that to make a world, it is necessary to have all kinds of people. So, Natalia, do you know who Sakur Masok is? uh, Yeah, that guy that said to make a world, you have to have all (laughs) kinds of people. So he was actually Leopold Ritter von Sacker Masok, and he was an Austrian nobleman, writer, and journalist who became well-known because he wrote these romantic stories about Galician life. And his most famous published volume was titled Venus in Furs, published in 1870. And it's basically like an early romance novel, and it was where he expressed his deepest, darkest sexual fantasies and fetishes, especially for dominant women wearing fur. And he did his best to live out his fantasies in private with various mistresses and wives. And his name, Sakur Masok, might sound very similar to sadomasochism. And that's because oh. Austrian psychiatrist Richard Fryer von Kraft Ebbing in 1886 used his last name to coin the term masochism. And the Austrian oh, wow. psychiatrist wrote the following in his book, Psychopathia Sexualis, quote, I feel justified in calling the sexual anomaly masochism because the author, Sakur Masok, frequently made this perversion. 
which up to this time was quite unbeknown to the scientific world as such, the substratum of his writings. I followed thereby the scientific formation of the term Daltonism from Dalton, who discovered colorblindness. During recent years, facts have been advanced which prove that Sacher Masoch was not only the poet of masochism, but that he himself was afflicted with this anomaly. So obviously, I'm sure, like, very offensive now, like, people now are very accepting of, like, fetishes and, right. and stuff. So, like, this guy's basically saying it's, like, a mental affliction. So is this theory the theory that this is, like, a fetish for him to walk around in the woods in this outfit? Correct. So masochism is defined as the tendency to derive pleasure, especially sexual gratification from one's own pain or humiliation. So connecting all these puzzle pieces. Oh, wow. If we buy into this theory that we believe the letter was actually written by Le Loyon, yeah. then that means that Le Loyon is just a dude in a gimp suit wandering the woods for the sexual thrill, getting off on people being shocked by his appearance. Then I bet like him getting published in that tabloid was just like the ultimate climax for and him. And then he's like, I got to retire because yeah. it's never going to get any better than this. <laughs> also, I want to say that the reason I was laughing while you were talking about the kink thing or, or not the kink while you were talking about fetishes was because I was you said like a scuba fetish. And yeah. I was just imagining someone going to an aquarium and seeing that guy like cleaning a tank and just like getting an <laughs> erection and having to leave. Look, we're not ruling it out. I'm sure that's somebody's fetish out there. Yeah. And in general, I think like most people don't have any problem with like what people are doing in the privacy of their own home right. with consenting adults. The problem, if this is what's really happening, is that yeah. he was using unwilling participants to fulfill his fetish. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. That's, um, that's like crossing many boundaries. Especially children. Right. Yeah. So, okay. That's theory number two. Now we get into theory number three. All right. This theory states that Le Loyon is just a person preparing for the end of the world. Mm. Doomsday preppers and survivalists are known for taking extreme measures to prepare for even the most unlikely of global scenarios, such as solar flares, economic collapse, nuclear war, terrorism. And in this theory, Le Loyon either believes that it is already the end of the world, or at least that the end of the world is nigh, and therefore he wears a gas mask and a boiler suit to protect him from any chemicals and noxious gases, from warfare or natural disasters that he believes may be in the area. Mm. And he most likely lives in an underground bunker or hidden shack in the woods where he holds up for the rest of his days, only stepping outside his chamber to hunt, gather, and forage for his survival. And this is kind of backed by that lady that says she saw him mm -hmm. carrying maybe like vegetables or mushrooms or whatever right. it might be. And while doomsday preppers are not unique to any one culture or country, it, when I was reading this, I was like, well, that seems like a little bit weird because Switzerland is known for being like neutral and peaceful. Right. And so I was like, why would there be a doomsday prepper in the middle of a forest in a random town yeah. with such a small population? And then I found this article written by journalist Rachel Funk for Great Value Vacations, which, by the way, excellent name. <laughs> And according to Funk's article, fallout shelters are actually super fucking common in Switzerland. Oh, wow. And there's even an article, two articles in the Swiss Federal Law on Civil Protection, which mandates that each inhabitant of Switzerland must have a protected place that they can get to quickly from where they live. Oh. In 2006, there were 300,000 shelters in Swiss dwellings and 5,100 public shelters in the event of a natural disaster or nuclear war or mm. some other type of war. 
At the time of the survey, it was enough to protect 114% of Switzerland's population. Wow, so, so more than people are. Exactly. There. So the Swiss government takes this very seriously. Yeah. In fact, they even have a working network of about 7,200 sirens across the country to use as a warning system in case of emergency. Um, they have one that indicates a general disaster and then a different tone that relates to imminent water-related danger because there are a lot of water features in this country. Oh, wow. And so people living under dams will have special sirens just right. for that. And the sirens are always tested on the first Wednesday in February every single year. So this is like very normal mm. in their culture. And if you thought that like bunkers and sirens were already like enough, there's also something called Switzerland's National Redoubt. And it's a defensive plan, which we began in the 1880s to respond to foreign invasion. And they it's basically like this development of very extreme defense measures, um, such as tunneling through mountains and building secret fortifications mm. inside. And artil artillery camouflaged as barns and houses were strategically placed all along the country so that they could be accessed at a moment's notice. And they also um, have like bunkers built into the Alps. Oh, Wow. So, wow. yeah. So actually, it kind of seems like Switzerland already has this culture of right. prepping for an apocalypse. Yeah, the whole country is doomsday preppers. Right. So maybe it's not that weird yeah. that like there would be a doomsday prepper in this area. But to go against that theory, that letter, well, I guess it could be a hoax, but the letter doesn't seem like a doomsday prepper. Right. I mean, in order to believe this, I think you have to think it's a hoax, the letter. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, the letter was like sad boy hours. Right. And some people have even taken this theory a step further and said, why couldn't it be? like a military employee or government employee that's been hired to practice living in a post-apocalyptic world for research purposes. That doesn't happen. Well, I mean, it seems like they're doing almost everything they can to research and prep for the end of the world or oh. like or wars. So why wouldn't they place someone in a super remote area and be like, live here for X amount of years and like tell us if you can fucking do it or not living in this fallout shelter or underground bunker and foraging in the forest? Would that be the best job or the worst job? Honestly, I cannot survive without people, so I would say the worst. Yeah, I would be too scared. Right. I guess, what if they? What if the ghost listens to this podcast? Um, I'm sorry, and write into us. <laughs> Let's get hauntedpod at gmail .com. Give us your side of the story. Okay, now we get to this. Is gonna start moving faster. We're getting into theory number four, which is it's just a prank, like it's an elaborate prank. And the only reason why this theory, like, even has any legs to stand on, in my opinion, is because of something that happened on where else but 4chan. Oh. So on 4chan in, actually, this was this year, on 420. Oh, really? 2021. Wait, in 2021? Yep. Uh, the boards are firing again? Yeah. So this is literally last month, right? Oh, or wow. two months ago? Yeah. Um, this person posted that photo of Le Loyon, like the only photo that exists. Right. And he said, I used to dress up in a gas mask and army cloak and wander my local town, LOL. People started calling the cops and shit, so I stopped. Society will find a way to get back at you. And then somebody else commented and said, wait, you're Le Loyon? What the fuck? And the guy responds saying, LMAO, that shit is so funny. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't come up with the cringe name and story. Everyone else did that. And then somebody else links to, like, an article about Le Loyon right. and says, how did people not link this to R9K instantly? Like, how did they not link it to the internet? Like, yeah. a troll. And he says, LOL, I wrote that gay letter I forgot was kind of venting in it. And then another guy responds and says, you are an absolute chad for creating your own urban legend. 
<laughs> Sorry, but this that was just very the most 4chan. 4chan conversation ever. I know. I literally, I get so much entertainment from that website, but I get no information. Yeah. It's just like mindless, like nothing ever. Yeah. There's, if that just, this just, 4chan just complicates things more. It does. Like you just get more information with no like actual leads to anything. Also, 4chan is straight up known for trolling, being right. offensive, as you can tell from the language used in their posts. Yes. Like they're just, it's shock value. So right. I, I, like, can't really take this seriously. I always think of, like, all of, like, 4chan as, like, satire. And that's, like, why it can be dangerous sometimes. Because you're, like, is this person actually, like, this fucked up? Or are they, like, just being that way for some other reason? Well, it's no coincidence that 4chan has spawned some of the most outrageous conspiracy theories. Because everyone's trying to one-up each other. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know. It could be. But I could also just totally see someone being like, yeah, like I did this. Well, it was me. Well, also a point against this is that these posts are written in like very teenage English. Mm. And when so I had to get help from two people who I'm going to shout out at the end of this episode to help me translate all of these French documents and articles. And one of the people who like lives in France was like, Hey, this is like very French writing, like this letter that was written. Right. Like this is super fucking French. This person is like perfect grammar, very proper. Right. It's like if you were a professor of English writing a letter with all these metaphors and stuff, right. like that's the equivalent. Oh, so wow. I, I'm not saying it's impossible, but the difference in grammar and language and slang like leads me to believe it's probably just a troll on 4chan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Theory number five someone trying to conceal their identity for nefarious purposes. And there isn't really any information for this theory. It's just exactly what it sounds like. This theory purports that Le Loyon is a human, but he's not a fetishist or a troll or a disfigured person. Rather, he's an outlaw or fugitive or some other type of criminal who is on the run. This would explain why he wears a suit and mask that covers his entire body, and also why he seems so keen to not interact with people he meets in the woods. That's the entire I disagree with that because if he was actually trying to conceal his identity, he wouldn't be seen all the time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, theory number six, just a simple dude who likes walks and LARPing. <laughs> so you kind of touched on this. Right. So much like the last theory, this explanation is very straightforward. Again, Le Leon is a human and not a supernatural being, but rather than being an outlaw, he's actually just a dude who really likes LARPing as some kind of apocalyptic magician and take walks <laughs> in the forest while he role plays different quests. And right. I mean, that's it. That's all there is to that theory. But I have to mention it because that's what our podcast is about, like mentioning every single theory. Right. You guys, I used to LARP as a child, like with <laughs> well, my yeah, neighbor next didn't? door. Yeah. yeah. And we would just like walk around our neighborhood wearing weird shit, pretending like yeah, we were like elves and stuff. Cops so. and robbers, elves and princesses. Yes. Like, you know, we've all LARPed. So this would just be an adult right. that likes <laughs> to do it alone. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. So all of the theories up until this point have been somewhat skeptical and that they all assume that the ghost of Maole or Le, Lo- Le Loyon is just a human. So now we move into the theories that Le Loyon is some type of supernatural or even extraterrestrial entity. Oh, yeah. They were trying to throw us off by making us think that they were human by like writing that letter and all that. Exactly. So this comes the point, Natalia, where, we where get to open the I get to open book? this book. This book by the way, is fucking badass. I got it off eBay. It's yeah. called The Monster Book of Switzerland. It's giant. It's a children's book written by Jean Darling and Michael Meister. And wow. Natalia, I am going to show you. Oh my gosh, this is fantastic. You guys, yes, this is a very large, colorful, illustrated 
book and she just opened up a page that says Swiss monsters and there's a bunch of different monsters there. Oh, my God. So I have a question for you, Natalia. Do you see anything on either of those two pages? I've opened a book and it has colorful drawings of all types of cryptids mm-hmm. and monsters that are right. found in Switzerland. Do you think you see anything that could be mistaken for Le Loyon? If you were like panicked in the woods and you just see something out of the corner of your eye and you look and you're like, holy shit, what the fuck is that? And then you run away. Like, is there anything someone could mistake for um, Le Loyon? Yeah. Well, no. I don't know. You, it could be it could be a Schnabelgeist yes. wearing a cloak or something. Yes. You guys, this is like a giant I don't I don't know how to describe this. Well, <laughs> this I, will, I will describe it for you as you look at the you look at the photo while yes. I give you paint you this beautiful Please. photo of what it is. So theory number seven is that Le Loyon is the rattling Schnabelgeist. Oh. The rattling Schnabelgeist is an integral part of Swiss folklore. Depicted as either a white, gray, or sometimes black bird with a long black beak, goat horns, and red eyes obscured by gray or black feathers, Mm -hmm. this terrifying-looking cryptid is thought to be the personification of dead spirits which circulate at the time of the winter solstice in December. Although the Schnabelgeist is most often spotted in December, it has been known to be sighted less commonly throughout the year. And in the city of Ottenbach in Switzerland, the solstice is celebrated annually. Residents dress up as the Schnabelgeist in cloaks and long beak masks and loudly rattle wood slats to drive evil spirits out. Mm. The goal of the Schnabelgeist is to frighten anyone who may be nearby. This theory alleges that the ghost of Malay is actually a Schnabelgeist being mistaken for a man in a gas mask. Its long black beak could be misinterpreted as a gas mask if the person witnessing the beast was only getting a blurry glimpse before running away. Mm. Additionally, the Schnabelgeist could be wearing a cloak and a hood to disguise itself during the months where it's supposed to be in hibernation, as it is depicted, like I said, as a ghost. So, Natalia, here are some pictures of Swiss people dressed up as Schnabelgeist, if you can describe them to our listeners. I would love to. Man, I really love this book. Isn't it, like, just beautiful? It's so amazing. Here you go. So this is what people look like when they dress up as the Schnabelgeist. <laughs> okay, yeah. So um, it is people wearing a – it looks like – what do you call that? Like, they, they extend their head above their actual head. So it looks like they're wearing some sort of device that makes it look like their head is above their head. And mm-hmm. it's got, like, the long beak or whatever. And then they've draped uh, – and the – goat's horns and then they've draped this white cloth over the rest of their body so it has the illusion of them looking really tall but it's kind of like that thing where it's just three kids on top of each other like in a trench coat yeah totally and then you like open up the middle and see someone's face and that's kind of what it looks like like in one of these pictures like that someone's opening up the sheet and you see their face underneath the, the schnappelgeist's head Exactly. So I think by looking at these costumes, you can kind of infer what the Schnabelgeist is supposed to look like. Right. It's kind of like a giant fucking bird with yeah. a huge long beak with these red glowing eyes. But it also has kind of a flowy quality about it because it's supposed to also be a ghost. Right. Yeah. So like the cape could be kind of that flowy sort of quality. Exactly. Now, also on those two pages that you have in front of you in that book, Natalia, do you see one other thing that maybe might be able to be misinterpreted? Is it the Glacero? No. No. Or is it a Kobolds? Look for something that has a hood 
and cloak. I saw uh, this thing. What is this thing? Yes. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I saw that thing. It looks like an Ewok. Yeah. So it is called a schmutzly. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, I saw that on here, but I was like, "There's this thing says Schmutzly is Santa's sidekick who threatens naughty children with a trip to the forest to peel carrots until they're ready to behave." <laughs> and I look at this thing, which is just basically a burlap sack with eyes, and I'm like, "That can't be Santa's sidekick." Right. Okay. So let me explain to you what this thing is. So the Schmutzly, sometimes known as the black-faced Schmutzly, is another figure found in Swiss folklore. While online communities debate over whether or not the schmutzli is a person, a cryptid, a demon, or a ghost, the schmutzli is thought of as the antithesis of St. Nicholas, a.k.a. Santa Claus. Over time, this figure has morphed into being less scary, but originally the schmutzli was a folkloric child torturer of poorly (laughs) behaved children. Depicted in a long black cloak or robe with a hood completely obscuring its face, the schmutzli was akin to a Dementor, like from Harry Potter. No face could be seen at all in the hood except for two glowing red eyes. Often depicted carrying a bundle of sticks or a broom, author Morvan McLean wrote the following about the creature in an article published to SwissInfo.ch. Quote, Kurt Lucy, the curator of religious folklore at Lucerne's History Museum, says that the St. Nicholas custom in Switzerland became interwoven with a festival of noise and masks dating back to pre-Christian times. Hmm. Schmutzli, he says, was a symbol of the evil spirits which these ancient festivals sought to drive out with a combination of noise and light. Winter processions involving loud noise and lanterns continue to this day in many parts of Switzerland. From 1910, we have documented evidence of a strange figure who appears on St. Nicholas Day and is called the Butzli, which was later changed to Schmutzli, said Lucy. Schmutzli means an ugly character with a concealed face, and this figure appeared as like a gaping black hole with red eyes um, in a black cap. Mm. So according to Lucy, Schmutzli is a figure that derives from the Perchtenlaufen, festivals of driving out demons that are held in Germany and other Alpine countries. And he shows, like, these various illustrations, like, ancient illustrations of this creature. And it, I mean, now, like, in this children's book that I'm showing you, it's kind of dumbed down to just be like, oh, he takes the kids if they don't behave well. And instead of getting a present from Santa, you have to, like, work in the forest, like, hunting and gathering. But actually, it originated as, like, a much darker Darker. sort of legend who abducted bad children and dragged them into the forest for punishment. Right. So this theory purports that the man in a gas mask wandering the woods may actually be a schmutzli, and perhaps he lives in these woods while awaiting the arrival of the winter solstice. Oh. Well, both of those I like. I mean, I really like this child torture idea because it kind of seems like the ghost did have an effect on children. Yeah, I think so too. And now we're getting into the last couple of theories Theory number nine just says some other kind of undiscovered cryptid. And this theory still thinks that Le Loyon is some kind of cryptid, much like the previous two kind of monsters Mm -hmm. that we just went over. However, proponents of this theory think that Le Loyon is his own kind of cryptid, not explained by or mentioned in Swiss folklore. And this would make him akin to like a Bigfoot creature that simply hasn't been studied enough yet to classify. Mm. Okay, theory number 10, an alien. Oh, okay. 
This theory claims that Le Leon is not a man, not a cryptid, not a ghost. He is instead some type of extraterrestrial being or alien. And the reason for his visit is unknown, though some think he may have been stranded in this forest due to a UFO crash landing. And the idea of aliens wearing gas masks is also an allegation that has been made in the past before. Because at first I was thinking, like, right. if it's an alien, why is it wearing a gas mask? But I did find one example where in Dulce, New Mexico, it was alleged that sleek black hovering disks were seen over fields of cattle in the area. Later, ranchers and police would find mutilated cows and calves. On one occasion, a gas mask and some radioactive substances were found near the animals. While this story doesn't take place in Switzerland, it does seem to indicate that there could be a species or race of alien that needs a gas mask to survive in our atmosphere. Yeah. And it may exist and it may have already visited Earth in the past because at this little town, Dulce in New Mexico, that's what like the sheriff gave this interview. It was super fucking long about like, I found these gas masks. Mm. I found like this weird radioactive substance, all these cattle mutilations and like paired with people seeing UFOs in the area kind of leads us to think, okay, well, maybe there's just a race of aliens that this is what they look like. Yeah, it's not hard for me to believe that an alien would wear a mask when they come to Earth. It's like the idea of, like, you go out in public to a gross place and you put a mask on. Yeah, yeah. You know? Now that we've, like, lived through a pandemic, I think we're much more, like, open to this idea you of, guys, like... Before the pandemic, I did public transport, and I when I would get on the LA Metro, I would always wear a mask. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's so, like exactly. not even. So, imagine coming from an advanced alien civilization. You come right. down to our primitive Earth and you're like, fuck that. I'm wearing and it all was, the protective gear. Yeah. And it was mainly because I didn't want people to talk to me. Like, I felt like the more covered up I was, like, I had headphones on, I had sunglasses on, I had my mask on. Like, don't fucking talk to me. And maybe the alien feels the same way. He's yeah. like, look, Leave I'm covered alone. in head to toe. I just don't, like, I'm sending all the vibes that I don't want to be touched or talked right. to. I don't want to be found out. So yeah. either he crash landed his UFO, was the only person who survived mm -hmm. or being that survived, or maybe he was sent to the forest of Maole to do research. And that's why yeah. people see him carrying shit right. sometimes all over the place. And another point to this theory is that some of the most famous UFO photographs ever taken actually come from Switzerland. So what? I'm going to show you these images. They come from a Swiss man named Billy Meyer, who took several photographs of sleek silver and black discs flying above his home in 1975. And he claims to have come in contact over the years with aliens from the Plejaren race. And these photographs are especially famous because you may recognize them from the I Believe poster seen in the X-Files or I Want oh. to Believe. Those are actual photos. I mean, it's debated. Is it real? Is it not real? I mean, people have right. their opinions. So you can scroll down. Okay, let's see. Let's see. There's a couple of oh, photos. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. This is super convincing. Okay, so I'm looking at... A picturesque landscape literally looks like a postcard, which I'm assuming is Switzerland because it's beautiful. And then above are three disc shaped, like straight up like alien UFOs. It doesn't look doctored to me, though. And you can scroll down and see different angles. and Wow. Stuff. And then, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, these are incredible. So, oh, my goodness. Yeah, these don't look doctored to me at all. Also, yeah, okay, so I took a photography class in college, and I found out that film, it's really hard to um, doctor it in the way that this would necessarily need to make this. So the way that 
you can kind of like alter film when you're developing it is you can like burn or shadow stuff. I forget what it's fucking called. I might be ruining it. But um, basically when you burn something, you like cover up the rest of the photo and then like have a small hole where the light will shine on for longer. So you can like bring things out more in the photo on film that you're developing it or you can um, like cover up a part of it so it's less noticeable in the final like photo or whatever um but it would be really hard to make such an intricate shape like this and these are film photos so yeah i feel like these seem very real to me yeah and they're from 1975 so we're not talking about like cgi or photoshop Right, like these would have to be developed. They're mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Wow. You guys check these out on the Instagram because they look pretty fucking real to me. And I thought it was cool that it's like that famous I want to believe photo right. is like comes from somewhere. I didn't know it came from anywhere. Love that. Okay. Now we get into the final two theories, which are have to do with ghosts. Theory number 11, a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> this theory takes the nickname the ghost of Malay literally. What if Le Loyon is the wandering soul of a person who died in the woods? Specifically, what if Le Loyon is the ghost of a soldier? This oh. could explain his gas mask and strange military getup. As we mentioned previously, Switzerland has garnered a reputation for being a neutral and peaceful country. However, this doesn't mean that it hasn't been the site of several wars throughout history. Proponents of this theory think that Le Leon may be the ghost of a fallen Swiss soldier. Perhaps he does not even realize he is dead and thus continues on wearing his soldier attire none the wiser. Hmm. So let's look into this theory because nobody else fucking did on any of the podcasts <laughs> I listened to. The majority of wars fought in Swiss soil take place between the year 1300 and the late 1800s. There were several kinds of rudimentary respirators being used throughout the world as far back as ancient Greece, and they actually used sponges as respirators. But the, quote, gas mask that Le Leon is described as wearing was not officially invented until 1915. So we can safely rule out all of the wars being fought on Swiss soil prior to 1915, because there wouldn't be a ghost wearing this mask that wasn't even invented yet. Right. Okay. So... Now we have to look at gas masks over the years to find, okay, which gas mask most closely resembles the gas mask of Le Loyon to try to figure out what war he comes from. So I'm going to just show you very quickly some different gas masks over the years. Ghost research. Absolutely. Look, we take this shit seriously. Nobody else did it. So we got to figure it out. Okay. So the first one I'm going to show you is a photo of a German soldier in World War I. What is that? Is that a sponge with strings attached to someone's face? So it's just like a a bunch of cloth, essentially, with a band going around it. And then it has this little, like, scuba pack underneath that's thought to supply air. Again, these are all very rudimentary. So I think the answer to my question is no, that's not the war that um, Le Loyon would be from. Then we see this type of hood in 1915 oh that's terrifying yeah that looks like um a bag over someone's head with like little glass eye holes right yeah but it doesn't look like the one Layla no. is wearing so we got to keep moving forward in history okay now we get into the gm15 which was from germany it's a world war one mask used just a year later in 1916 and tell me if you think this is what Layla Leon could be wearing that looks similar to what yeah, that, that looks a lot like it. 
Right. I don't know. It has. It's the first time you're seeing like a canister at the bottom. Yeah, there's a canister. It's still that like just bag over someone's head with glass eye holes cut out for them to see through. But there's a canister at the bottom. Right. And now the final mask I want to show you is comes from 1939. It's a Finnish civilian gas mask. Oh, wow. Yeah, that looks a lot like it, too. Right. I think so, too. So this one, yeah. it's like giant bug eyes with a big canister at the end of it. I think that one looks like it could be Le Leon. So mm-hmm. we're kind of looking at the type of gas mask that 39, we're... 39, you yeah, said? Yeah, like around 1939. So if we look at wars that took place on Swiss soil around that time, the only one is World War II. Mm-hmm. And although it was a neutral country during World War II, Switzerland was adjacent to, at times, like entirely Axis-occupied territories. Right. So even though they were neutral, they were um, bombed a couple of times. And yeah. there's an entire Wikipedia page on aerial incidents in Switzerland. Basically, what you need to know is that Allied and Axis aircrafts were flying over Swiss airspace. Mm-hmm. And that kind of prompted this sort of culture of, like, having... Um, like shelters, fallout shelters and sirens in Switzerland because there were a lot of different bombings that took place that resulted in fatalities. Three out of the aforementioned 70 bombings were the ones that are considered like the most deadly. So one was took place in Schaff, Schlafhausen on April 1st, 1944, and a total of 40 people were killed, about oh. 270 injured, Large parts of the town were destroyed, and the U.S. said that it was a mistake and that they accidentally dropped bombs because there was really bad weather resulting in pilot error. They were trying to bomb the Axis powers just outside Switzerland, but they got confused, and it resulted in the U.S. having to pay $4 million in restitution to the Swiss. Oh, that's That's super sad. I can't believe I've never heard of that. Yeah, and then there was the bombing of Stein am Rhein, which took place February 22nd, 1945, where 13 USAF air attacks on Switzerland took place, and they killed 21 people in those attacks. Then on March 4th, 1945, there was a bunch of explosives and incendiaries that killed five people. Um, And same thing, U.S. said it was a mistake. Then there's like all these different places where bombings took place. And mm-hmm. so I made a map of it so that I could figure out if any of these bombings happened near where Le Loyon was spotted. Mm. So I'm going to show you this map and I want you to see to tell me what you think. So the blue dots are the aerial bombings and then the yellow is where that church was located in Malay. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, there is a bombing near there. Yeah. So that bombing, if we zoom in on it, there's actually two bombings that are closest. Renens, which is much closer than Geneva. So Geneva Mm -hmm. was also bombed. So it is possible that either a Swiss pilot was shot out of the sky, landed in the forest and died because we do know that that's something that happened. Or a Swiss military man was bombed, or even a Swiss citizen, because those gas masks right. I showed you were also used by citizens. Um, switching gears for a second. Mm-hmm. When you, you created this map, when did you do this? Was this on company hours? No, this was actually this morning. This was this morning. Okay, I was going to say, does your company know that you are spending time <laughs> mapping out where possible no, ghosts No, I, I do it on be? my free time. Okay, it was great. this morning. Oh, great. Okay, and... So this is like, it's plausible mm-hmm. that this could be like a fallen civilian, a ghost of a civilian right. or or a pilot that crash landed there because I didn't want to go into like all of the details of stories. You guys can read that on your own by yeah. going to Wikipedia. But um, there are some stories of like 
accidentally Swiss aircrafts being shot out of the sky by mistake because they're mistaken as Axis or Allied forces. So it's possible. Right. And then, and then, it, yeah. and then that person could just wander a little bit from the site, you know, searching for help or something and, and not die. die in the woods. Yeah. And now they're just their soul is trapped there. And there are actually a lot of war ghost stories in Switzerland. Um, there is an article I found written by Claudia Mendez for WarHistoryOnline.com. And she tells this story, quote, During the war, Switzerland did its best to remain neutral, but was sought after by both the Allied and Axis powers. When Germany initiated acts of aggression against the country, the United Kingdom sent reinforcements. That was how one British company found themselves stationed in a remote village in the Swiss Alps. A few weeks after the British company had entered the village, the locals started to notice a series of strange incidents. Pieces of wood and tarps disappeared from sheds. Valuables were stolen from their homes. The culmination of these events was a child from a village going missing. Hmm. At first, it was assumed that the disappearance was a tragic accident, but then more children disappeared. The only adult to disappear was Private Reginald from the British unit. He went missing from the barracks, and this led to a rumor that a monster was living in the mountains and preying on the village. After Private Reginald, more children from the village disappeared. One night, a figure was seen peering through the window of a house as the soldiers patrolled the town. The soldiers yelled at the figure, which took off. They gave chase, reaching the edge of the village where the figure appeared to jump into the ground. What? The soldiers then found a cave hollowed out of the side of a snowdrift. What? Shots were fired from the cave and returned by the soldiers. After moments of silence, they investigated the cave further. Inside, they found Reginald shot through the heart wow. and surrounded by the half-eaten bodies of seven children that had gone missing <gasps> from the village. This is a real story? This is a real fucking story. So while this story cannot be directly tied to Le Loyon, it is proof that during the era of World War I and World War II, which is the era that the gas mask was seen on Le Loyon, Switzerland was directly tied to tragedy, war, and death, which is the perfect recipe for ghosts. And right. in fact, there are war ghost stories from this region. Wow. Wow. Okay, hold on. So that person was living in a cave eating children? Apparently. That's what they I'm reported speechless. finding. I know. Isn't that insane? I'm speechless. So now we have the final theory, Natalia. Oh, wow. The final theory I have for you today. Theory number 12 is yes. something called the stone tape theory. Have you ever heard of this before? No. It is my favorite of all the theories, and that is why it's last. Stone tape? The stone tape theory. No. All right. According to Wikipedia, the stone tape theory is the speculation that ghosts and hauntings are analogous to tape recordings, and that mental impressions during emotional or traumatic events can be projected in the form of energy, recorded onto rocks and other items, and replayed under certain conditions. The concept got its name when it was popularized by a 1972 Christmas ghost story called The Stone Tape, which was produced by the BBC. Following the play's popularity, the idea and the term stone tape were then retroactively attributed to a British parapsychologist who believed that ghosts, ghosts were not spirits of the deceased, but were simply non-interactive recordings similar to a movie. Mm, yeah, I like this a lot, actually. Right. So it's the idea that there's just like a, a loop of some person or some event that happened. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's an idea that like an object or a place is haunted right. not by like a sentient ghost or being, but because something emotional and traumatic happened in that location. Right. And now that haunting is being replayed over and over again in the same order. Right. When something triggers it. And it's so there's like a an lot echo. of Yeah. So there's a lot of a different opinions on like what triggers it. Some people think only psychics can like tap into that mm -hmm. energy and make it happen. Other people think like if a similar event happens in a house, like, you know, if a family moves into the Amityville horror house, right. they experience it like triggers those series of events to happen again. Right. Um, other people think it's like it creates like an energy portal and yeah. that's why it happens over and over again. And there's tons of like philosophers, psychiatrists, parapsychologists, psychologists right. who like have weighed in on this theory. And to me, it's sound like so I like have the chills right now. It's like very interesting to me. Yeah, I really like that idea. I mean, <laughs> It's almost like indistinguishable from a ghost, though, yeah. right? Like it would have the same effect. You would see a ghostly figure walking, whether it was a spirit or it was this like stone tape theory. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, the story, like if we believe that Le Leon is a ghost, mm -hmm. then the stone tape theory actually makes a lot of sense because yeah. it means that something traumatic happened to someone who was wearing a gas mask. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it was a civilian victim of a bombing or perhaps it was a downed allied or Swiss pilot. Mm -hmm. And the soul of that victim wanders the same path each week in the forests of Maule as if acting out the same scene from a movie over mm -hmm. and over again. Those who happen upon the ghost or the echo of a ghost observe it walking the same path in the same areas performing the same tasks each time they see it. It's as if Le Leon is doomed to relive the worst day of his life for all of eternity. Oh, well, that sucks. That sucks. What? And that is the story of Le Leon, a.k.a. the ghost of Malé. So now, Natalia, I want to know what your thoughts are. Well, I've been telling you this whole time. What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I, I don't... Okay, let's see. Let me try to think what theory I think it is. There's 12 and I there's like a fuck ton. So we can break it up into it's a dude. Yeah. It's, it's a cryptid. It's, it's a, a ghost. ghost. Yeah. Um, it depends like which things you think are real and which things right. you think are a hoax. That's the hard part about this is because now this guy or this ghost has become like infamous. So you have this 4chan evidence who knows if we need to throw that out the window or if that's something to actually hold on that's to true. so that's the fourth possibility right or is it like do you actually believe that the letter was written by the actual ghost you know i'm gonna go ahead and take a leap here i think that the letter was written by the actual ghost i don't know as i'm saying this i'm sound this i'm like that sounds fake i don't know <laughs> um i i don't know what to believe like, my initial thought was that this was a person because they responded to that tabloid or whatever. And But then I was thinking about, like, people online get triggered all the time. They get involved in business that's not theirs. Exactly. Get super emotional and, like, write an essay that's, like, very well written. Like, insert themselves into a narrative that doesn't involve them. Exactly. Because they're triggered. Like, maybe this is a ghost just like walking and he has nothing to do with that letter and someone was like reading the tabloid and they're like this is fucked up like this thing is just you know should be able to do whatever it wants because they had like a bad day at work that right. day 
you know? Yeah. Or it could be, like I said, um, like maybe the people in this town were clearly not entertained that right. this was getting a lot of publicity. Like I said, maybe they banded together and decided let's kill off mm -hmm. this entity, a.k.a. kill off the attention that we're getting mm -hmm. by saying that this person is like giving up walking through the forest. And let's like craft this letter, leave it somewhere with similar looking clothes yeah. and just be fucking done with it. Yeah, I. It's too it's so hard. It's it's. it's... <laughs> I like I love the story. I love the stone tape theory. I think that That's that great. is so creepy. Yeah. I, I also think that people are intuitive. Like, you know, when someone's like has bad intentions or not, you can just feel it. Like some people just creep you out. And the fact that all these people were kind of creeped out by this thing. Super creeped out. It does hold a little bit of weight to me. Yeah. You know, I can walk down the street and be able to tell if someone's being a creep or that person is just like out of their mind wasted or like on some sort of drugs or just not having a good time or that person needs help or you know like you just yeah. feel you can feel someone's energy I think and so because so many children specifically were creeped out by this person children are like dogs like yeah if they don't like you there's probably there's something, something wrong. wrong with you yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I totally agree and so, yeah, I kind of feel like there is something off about it. But it could be that they're just like, the stone tape thing. Like, this is weird. This shouldn't be like that, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I do it, like that theory. It definitely could just be a dude that was LARPing or like... I mean, the fact that if we believe the letter is real, mm -hmm. I think the most likely theory is that it was a dude with a fetish. Because he references that that fetishist the guy that like coined right. the term yeah masochism or who's who the term masochism was named after he didn't coin the term like so that makes me think okay if it's a, if it's a dude i think it's probably some guy that just had a fetish yeah and i don't think that that's good because he was involving non-willing participants right that was creepy that, because yeah. he's like yeah just like whether or not he's turning you into yeah. his sexual fantasy that you didn't consent to exactly and then if you think that it's not a human, then I think the most likely is that is the stone tape theory. And that's just because I think it's like so cool. I really like the stone tape theory. I'm going to start using that for other instances in my life. Yeah. You know, like people are like, oh, I saw you over there doing something embarrassing. And I'm going to be like, no. No, that was my an echo of my former self. Right. I'm not Doomed that to relive. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Great episode, Alyssa. Thank you. That was really fascinating. I was on the oh, edge of good. my seat the whole time. Oh, and I remember I told you that Le Loyon, I was going to tell you like what the theory is on what yeah. it means. So I reached out to a bunch of people living in Switzerland and nobody could fucking tell me what it means. It just means the Loyon. And Loyon is not a town. My mm -hmm. idea was like, is it a town? Is it like a type of food? I don't know. Like, is it a right. tradition? It's nothing. And the only thing I could find is I did find, like, one person living somewhere in the world whose last name was Loyon. So I was like, do the citizens of this town know who it is? How is it spelled? L-O-Y-O-N. Yeah. And I asked a bunch of people living in Switzerland, asked people that speak French. Everyone was mm -hmm. like, it doesn't mean anything. Right. Um, if you have the missing link, come forward. Yeah, tell Let us. us know. Comment on the Instagram and follow, like, and subscribe. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and I want to give a huge, huge, huge shout out to two members of the Haunted Fam who helped me with this story. These two people helped me understand cultural information about Switzerland, helped me translate the various French articles and letters I came across while researching the story, and helped me reach out to Swiss citizens living in the area to find more information. And those two people are... Rafi or Rafi, R-A-P-H-Y, I'm not sure quite how to pronounce it, at Rafi is away on Twitter, 
and Isabel, who is at Seen by Isabel on Twitter. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. And Rafi even um like showed me a bunch of like screenshot of me a bunch of Facebook posts written in French that are like Hey, uh, I like I live here and I know who the person is, but we're all like keeping it secret. But there's no way to authenticate it. He's like, I can't tell if this person is trolling or not. But like, this is what they said. Um, So who knows? Maybe the town is protecting somebody. Yeah. And that's why they want everyone to go away. Is this like a house of wax situation where everyone's in on it? And Paris Hilton will be there involved, too. Yeah. Well, she has to be. Um, I just want to read my sources very quickly. My sources for this episode are The Monster Book of Switzerland by Jean Darling and Michael Meister. Uh, Also, I used rainforest.mangabay.com to find out information about Swiss forests. Oh, yeah, there was an article called Insights into Swiss Forests, published to lfi.ch. Then, of course, Wikipedia. It's our favorite. Mm. Cryptids.fandom.com had a wiki article on Le Leon. Creepypasta.fandom.com also had a wiki article on The Mystery of Le Leon. Then uh, astonishinglegends.com also had a little blurb about Le Leon. The morbidlibrary.com had a little article on the legend of Le Leon. Then ufoinsight.com slash conspiracy slash unexplained slash lay-leon-masked man. Then All That's Interesting had an article about Raymond Robinson um, that is not published by any one author. It's just like posted to their website. Popsugar.com uh, told me what a gimp was, and I <laughs> quoted them earlier. LatexWiki.com helped me understand the fetish of gas masks. Right. And GreatValueVacations.com had an article about the Swiss preparations for the apocalypse, which I thought was super interesting, written by Rachel Funk. Hmm. And then discovery.com is where I got that information about Dulce, New Mexico. Um, I don't believe it has an author attached to it. No, it doesn't. It was just posted to their website. Then warhistoryonline.com had an article by Claudia Mendez about the half-eaten children uh, in the Swiss forest. And then the schmutzli I learned about from an article published to swissinfo.ch by Morvin McLean. And those are all of my sources for this episode. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us. Yeah, thank you guys. Okay, I've been thinking of the sign-off. Yeah, and give it's, me your sign-off. It's, I couldn't think of a good one, I, but I, this, it, I'll just go. Yeah. <laughs> um, BRB, gotta go to an aquarium because you know why. <laughs> Bye. Bye.